Well, good morning, good afternoon. If you're online or in person, it is so good to be here. There is more, amen? And there is more of God's presence. Yeah, let's give our team a hand. Um, it has been, it's been like this all day where we're just, whether it was sound check or first service, you could just sense God's presence, His Spirit, you know, here with us. And uh, we are so glad you're with us too. Uh, it is Christmas and we're unpacking God's story together. And one of the things that uh, I want to do today uh, is begin by reading God's Word. And if we, as we've honored God in worship, there's a way in church tradition that we honor God's Word. You see, God's story that we're unpacking uh, today comes out of His Word, which is not another book. It's not another piece of literature. It is the authoritative, inspired Word of God. Can I get an amen? And so in church tradition, there are times where the body of Christ would stand together for the reading of God's Word. So I'm going to ask that you stand with me as I read to you the passage that we're looking at today and as we dive into this. If you're on, online, if you're driving a car, don't stand. But if you're in your pajamas in your living room, you can stand. And uh, I just want to, before I read this, point out to you as well, up here, the lights are on. And that means that at least one person came to Jesus in the past week and we turned the lights on by that door to celebrate because we know all of heaven is celebrating as well. Amen? All right, so we're going to read today out of Luke 2, picking up in verse 8 through 20, 12 verses. This is God's word for us today. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he has pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. May God bless the reading of the, his word. Father, we come to you now just in awe of your word, in awe of your presence in worship. And Jesus, it's you that we need right now, more of you. And so I just invite your word to go forth with spirit and power to accomplish the purposes for which you are sending it. I pray that our ears would hear, our hearts would be open, and that we would say yes and amen. That we would be not just hearers of the word, but doers. So be with us now and reveal yourself through your word as only you can. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Today, we're looking at this idea from this passage of made known. Can you say that with me? Made known. It was in there because what God makes known is what we want to make known. 
And, you know, for me, you have a moment in that text where you can picture how the angels are showing up. They're inviting the shepherds to see who Jesus is. It's an invitation like no other invitation. And, and I got to tell you, I, uh, this past week, had the opportunity to celebrate with the love of my life our 19th anniversary. Let me, yeah. I, I mentioned it last week. I'm going to mention it again because I'm just that guy, right? I am so blessed to be married to Cindy, 19 years now, uh, four children, and God has just been with us. So we got a little opportunity on Tuesday on our anniversary to celebrate and to have dinner and reflect. And, you know, when we start reflecting, one of our favorite pictures from our wedding actually is this picture here I want to show you that was us heading into our reception. Uh, this was after the ceremony. We're heading into our reception. Uh, no awes? No aw. Come on, you guys. It's okay to interact in church. All right? And, and so this is us as we're heading in uh, for the reception and the celebration. Now, here's what's interesting. That picture that you see there was taken on a Kodak disposable camera. Some of you don't even know what that is, okay? Those existed, and one of our guests actually snapped that picture. It was not taken by our expensive photographer, and yet it's our favorite picture. Now, here's what's interesting. The person that took that picture almost didn't come to the wedding because of what I was known for and what happened when they got the invite. You want to hear the story? <laughs> You're like, yeah. <laughs> So back up, that was December of 2001. In August of 2001, we actually, Cindy and I, went up north, and I'm from Michigan, we went up north to my parents' house, and uh, her bridesmaids came with her. So it's the end of August, it's kind of around football season, I'm a big athletic, you know, kind of, I just love sports, so college football's on the TV, they're getting the invites ready to send for this wedding. And as they're getting them ready, I'm uh, kind of like just that guy in the corner that's just watching football. I get through like the first or second game, and I start to feel guilty, okay? And, and as I'm starting to feel guilty, I'm like, what can I do to help? And they said, hey, would you go to the store, and would you buy a bunch of that fake snow if you can find it? Uh, you know, the plastic stuff that you would put in like a Christmas card or something. They're like, wouldn't that be cool if we put fake snow in the invites because it's near Christmas for the wedding? I'm like, great, I'm that guy. Let's go. So I get there. I buy all of it that they had in the store. Uh, it's August, right? So I just bought everything they had, bring it back. I'm feeling like the hero. They're getting excited as they're getting uh, kind of slap happy. You know what I mean by that? Like they're just kind of like, you know, they're just having fun, and so they get towards the end, and they have too much snow, and they're just dumping it into these envelopes, like way too much snow, okay? We mail the invitations the first week of September 2001. Some of you remember what happened. 9-11, and right after 9-11 was the anthrax scare. What we thought was a great idea didn't work out so great. People began to open our invites and snow dumped out. <laughs> there was a panic that it was anthrax. People were upset. Literally, extended family of my wife's that lives here in Cocoa Beach, just north of here, they actually called it in. The FBI showed up, locked down the block, put the full hazmat suits on, and checked out our invite and tried to figure out who is this Cindy and what does she have against you? You can't make this stuff up. It really happened. 
So I was known in high school for pranks and getting into a lot of trouble. I'll admit it. My friend's dad gets the invite. The snow spills out, and he is convinced that what I was known for then was what I was still doing today. He thought it was a prank, and he said, I'm not coming to that wedding. We had to work through that. Praise God we did, because he took the picture that we love the most. All right? Here's why I bring all that up. Sometimes what we're known for isn't what God is about to do next. Sometimes what we hear is the invitation and who it's coming from might actually cause us to miss what God's actually inviting us into. And that's what we see here in Luke chapter 2. You see Jesus being announced to shepherds that are out in the fields. These shepherds, as we learn, uh, as we look at the context, are the lowly of the low. This is the marginalized people group that were out doing blue-collar work in the fields that honestly would not have been accepted in mainstream society. These were people that were working so hard they often couldn't come to the temple for the ceremonies and the clean, clean, uh, cleansings. And so they wouldn't have been accepted in the public worship even. But here's God showing up with an invitation, making himself known to people that others might not have associated with. Isn't God incredible? Let me read it to you again with some different eyes. Verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Wouldn't you be? Heaven is being ripped open in that moment. The angels are appearing and and speaking and making known God's will. And so, of course, they're trembling. And the angel says to them, fear not, which is a good word for us heading into 2021. Amen? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. What's amazing is, if you're taking notes, God isn't concerned about status. God is not concerned about status. You see, the shepherds were the, the, off, the, the people that were marginalized. They didn't have the right status. They didn't have the right job. They didn't, weren't from the right class. Here's God with the most important news ever showing up and giving that news to them. People that often weren't heard or listened to now carry the great message of who Jesus is. It's amazing that God isn't concerned about status. And what a message we need to hear in modern American culture. We are so caught up in our culture in celebrity status. In in who has what or who doesn't have what. On social media, it's out of control. Influencers that are getting certified, that, that actually have a following. And we're so caught up in status. And God doesn't care at all about status. Do you know that in fact, so much so, not only did he bring the message to the shepherds, but he left heaven, which was a major demotion, by the way, to enter in to our world in the lowliest of low states as a vulnerable baby child, which by the way, baby Jesus grew up, okay? And that changes everything. But when you think about 2 Corinthians 8, 9, let me read it to you. And let it sink in maybe again for the first time. 
It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. If he's not concerned about status, we need to check ourselves and not be concerned about status either. You see, what I believe God's heart is, is that we would love him and love all people. And that would be for a church-like pathway, all the people in our pathway and in our pathway out there. That we would literally not allow status to get in the way of how we love the people around us. And so over the last few weeks, we have taken uh, a survey, and I've been revealing the results to you. And uh, I'm going to reveal a couple more things today, and then we'll move forward into 2021. But this is important. This is really important. Who are we based on those that responded to the survey? You ready to see? Here's some of the demographic information of the 200 or so uh, people that responded, 200 in, or 351. 21% of respondents were under the age of 30, 51% were age 35 to 65, 28% were age 65 and up, 6% were Hispanic, Latino, Spanish, 9% were white, 3% were black, African American, and 1% was Asian Pacific Islander. Okay? Now, as you think about this, there's some things to celebrate. We are multi-generational. Can I get an amen? That is so important. It is so important that we recognize that, that the church of Jesus Christ values every generation. In addition to that, 10% of the church is non-white, which means we are diverse within pathway. Praise God for that. In a day and age that is so divided... In a day and age that is missing so many people, that's something to celebrate. But can I point us to our community for a minute? Can I point us to the future for a second? You see, here's what we learn when we look at the 2010 census data, because 2020 isn't fully out yet. When we look at Vero Beach, the surrounding areas surrounding this church, here's what we learn. That age, 34% are under age 35 What does that mean? That means that when we looked at the age in our respondents, there's a 14% gap, meaning we're not as young as the community around us. We love all people, amen? And we love every generation. And here's what I want to make sure is abundantly clear. If you're over 35, your life matters deeply in the kingdom of God. And I can say that because I'm over 35 too. And what we have is needed in the next generation. You see, God does something where the body begins to celebrate and see all ethnicities and all generations, all economic classes. God begins to do something when we begin to value and love what is in each other. And so if you're sitting here and you're over the age of 35, I want you to know that we need you in this next season. We need you to not just sit, but to serve and to make a difference because what's in you and the gifts God has given you are needed in order to grow the next generation. Because did you know every generation has the responsibility to pass their faith to the next? 
And you guys, we are so blessed here at Pathway. We have a great family and youth pastor, Nate Swernigan, Daniela, his assistant. They are killing it and doing such a great job. It's awesome. And we actually, the, the search company that found me by God's grace, we've retained them to find our next kids pastor. They've had a couple hundred contacts go out. They have interviews beginning in January. I'm excited that we are investing in the next generation, amen? And so I want to encourage you to hear that you're needed, that, that God wants us to be multi-ethnic, multi-economic class, and multi-generational, amen? Now, the demographics also point out something in regard to ethnicity. Did you notice it when it was up there? Vero Beach raised 76% white, 10% African American, 10% Hispanic, Latino, Spanish, 2% Asian, and 2% other. If you remember what I told you, our respondents, we were 90% white or Caucasian. I'm a white man, you can tell that. Okay? I don't represent Olivero, and neither do you. When we think about who is here, we have to recognize the fact that it doesn't fully look like our community demographics. What does that mean? That means I believe God's going to begin working on our hearts to pray that we would in the new year begin to love our neighbors and love people regardless that we would begin to see God move in a way that would allow the church to reach and reflect the very community that it sits in. Can I get an amen? I'm excited. And here's the thing. How is God going to do it? Probably similar to what he was doing with the shepherds. You see, you have a daily life. You have a daily life where whether you're retired or not, you, there are things you put your hand to during the, the week. There is work that you do. The shepherds were minding their own business, doing their work in the fields when God showed up. And I just want to invite you to begin to see your work in a different light. To begin to realize that God wants to use you in whatever your vocation is. Even in your retirement, there are things you're putting your hands to that if you make it an act of worship, it will change everything and God will begin to work not just in these walls, but beyond these walls. Amen? Colossians 3.17, because pastor, you need a verse to back that up. You just said you want me to change the way that I view my week. You just said that it's not just about coming on Sunday, that actually my work could make a difference and be an act of worship. I did. Here's just one verse that supports this. Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So if your work, your interaction in the neighborhood, in the community becomes an act of worship by changing the audience, that you're no longer just working for that boss, but you're working for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, for Jesus himself, I promise you life will take on a different bent and a different look. That's the adventure that God invites us into. Some of you don't look like you're ready for that adventure. Don't judge us, pastor, right? Let's look at how the shepherds responded when that adventure, that invitation was given to them and what the message held for them. 
It says, for unto you, verse 11, is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude. This means like an army of angels. Literally, this army of angels showed up praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. So glory to God and peace among those whom he is pleased. One of the amazing things about the Christmas story is the reality of Emmanuel, God with us, of Jesus entering into the messiness of life. Not just metaphorically, but literally. Like Jesus in a manger, let's not gloss over this for a moment. Okay, The manger was a feeding trough that was likely on the backside of a property, a cave in the, in the side of a mountain or a hill that, that was filled with animals and likely the feces of those animals. This is not your local hospital. This is where Jesus is born. It's messy. And in many ways, when you think about that, our lives are messy. Anybody? 2020 was a train wreck in many, many ways. We had a pandemic that's still going on. We had political division, racial division, community division. There were all these broken pieces. Yet God is orchestrating and doing something that I believe will be bent for his good and for his glory. I can remember as a kid, uh, we, we didn't have a lot as a family, but we had what we needed. And so Christmas, we would have our, my parents had an ability to buy gifts for our family, but then my mom would actually, whatever hobby she had or craft she was into, that would become the gift for the rest of the extended family. Okay, and so every year there was always these things she was making and putting together to give to the extended family. For a couple of years, it was cross-stitching. Cross-stitching, for those that don't know what it is, is like graphic design for you tech-savvy people today. Okay? Cross-stitching, when you put something together, it would create wall art, and you would put it on the wall, or you would maybe it was a shirt or something else that was embroidered. And so the amazing thing about cross-stitching, I can remember, I, I, I would kind of look at what my mom was doing from the bottom, and it was all messy and intertangled, and you, you couldn't make sense of it. And then as soon as you turned it over in the hands of a skilled craftsman, you could actually see the pattern in the art. That in so many ways is the message of Jesus. That, hey, shepherds, this Jesus is coming. He's going to enter into the brokenness and the messiness, and he's going to bring peace. He's going to bring all the broken pieces and begin to knit them together. As I said, our country has gone through a lot. I just want to recognize that Pathway Church over the last few years has been through a lot. There have been people that have been hurting, hurt, hurting. I made up a word. There have been people that have been hurt, that have experienced pain, that have gone through brokenness, whether they were in leadership or serving, whether they've left the church or not. There has been broken pieces. But we serve a God who, when Jesus gets in the middle of it, begins to bring peace to broken pieces. Amen?
The amazing thing about this is let's just go a little bit further with this idea of peace. The prophecy actually that's being shared here by the angels comes out of Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Aren't you glad, regardless of which political party you support, that there's a government bigger than ours? Like, for real, let's not be political for a moment. This isn't political, it's biblical. God's kingdom and government is over any earthly government. That should get an amen. And so Jesus' government is established, it's saying, upon his shoulder, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase... Remember, there is more of the increase of his government and of peace. There will be no end. You see, peace is not just an absence of conflict or avoiding conflict. Peace is something that comes in the middle of it. There's a Stoic philosopher, Epicurus, that says this, While the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns more than even for outward peace. He's saying, listen, I look at a world, and this was, you know, to our knowledge, he wasn't a believer, he was a stoic. He's saying, I see a world in conflict and chaos and division, and there is no government that can somehow change the human heart. There's a commentary by Warren Wiersbe where he says this about this particular passage he says the jewish word shalom peace means much more than a truce in the battles of life it means well-being health prosperity security soundness and completeness doesn't that sound good that in fact what is missing in the world is what's provided by jesus That he takes what has been wrong and broken and he begins to make it right. What was missing, he begins to restore. He begins to bring healing. He begins to bring wholeness. When God begins to do that, he gets all the glory. And that is my passion and my hope is that we can not ignore the broken pieces, but bring them to Jesus and see him establish his peace, his wholeness, his transformation. And that while we're doing that, we can give God a whole lot of glory. I love what it says at the start of verse 14. It says, glory to God in the highest. I've been around here now for a few weeks. And one of the things that will often come up, good-intentioned and well-meaning for sure, but no doubt it comes up quite often around here, is yeah, there, there were the, the old days. The old days at Pathway where you know, we were prominent, we were established, people looked to us. Some have even used the phrase, the glory days. I want you to know right out of the gate, I am not about a return to any glory other than God's. That in fact, what I believe God does want to do is absolutely reestablish a healthy, alive church that is reaching the community and making a difference. That, that he wants to do that, not just through 
programs, because God isn't about programs. Programs are a vehicle. You know what God's about? He's about people. He's about people being transformed and touched. And as they're transformed, they're carrying that out into the world and saying, here's what Jesus did for me. And as a result, God gets all the glory. That's what it's all about. And this phrase is embedded deeply in my DNA. His story and his glory. And I want to make sure that we understand what we're going to be about and where we're headed. That in fact, our God is going to get all the glory because he has great plans ahead. I want to invite us to respond and to be a part of it. Check out how the shepherds respond at verse 15. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go. Can you say that with me? Let us go. With a little more emphasis, let us go. There we go. Let us go, which for them carried within it a sense of urgency. A sense of we can no longer sit still on this news. We can no longer hold what's in us. We've got to take this. God is that good. We've got to go do something with it. And so they're mobilized. They say, let us go. And there's an urgency. And, And they're carrying this good news because, in fact, what we see in the New Testament, this is probably the first moment of evangelism. Don't let that word scare you. It simply means sharing good news. And so it says, let us go and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known, say made known. They made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. They couldn't hold it in. What God had made known, they had to make known. And this is what I know about God. When we begin to have fresh encounters with him, fresh experiences with him, when we understand how good he is and he begins to restore our broken stories and lives, we, won't, we can't hold it in. We've got to release it and share it with others. Amen? This is what they are doing. Now, I get, the, again, the privilege of sharing with you some results. So how are we doing around here with inviting people and sharing uh, not just the gospel, but even sharing about pathway and what God's doing here. Because oftentimes what happens is we invite people first to church and then over time are able to share the story. Now I want to be clear. Invite them first to Jesus if you can. Because that's what matters most. Are we on the same page? Okay. Here's the results of our survey. 268 respondents. One time uh, invited people in the past six months, 36% of you. Two invites in the past six months, 22%. Three to four invites in the past six months, 26%. Five or more invites in the past six months, 16%. Here's what that means for us. That means less than once a month, or at least once a month, inviting someone and sharing that good news is 16% right now. That means there's a lot of growth ahead of us, a lot of opportunity to get excited again 
To, to have that encounter with Jesus and say, I've got to invite others to see and to experience like the shepherds did. And I get it. When you've been through something, it may take a minute to feel good about it again. But what we want to feel good about again is what Jesus is doing. What We want to make known what he is doing. And here's what you need to know. You have a story. And your story, as you get to know it and find Jesus in it, is going to make a difference in our community, in our church, and ultimately in our world. Your story matters. One of my favorite things to do is help people unpack their God stories. Here's three simple questions if you're taking notes. If you're not, file it away because it's some of your homework this coming week. Three simple questions to ask yourself, your God story. The first question is, what, what was my life like before God? Before Jesus, what was my life like? And this is where we need to be incredibly real because all of us had broken pieces. Can I get an amen? Any other sinners in the room? Okay, got some honesty, right? What was it like? Because what you went through and what Jesus has done will give him glory and help, help others have hope. Second question, how did you encounter Jesus? And the amazing thing about this is if we can get real with other people about how we actually met Jesus, chances are they're going to be impacted by your story before they're impacted by a guy like me. You have a story that needs to be told with the people that you influence. For many people that are your friends or family or people you're going to come across, I'm just a talking head with a mic. They don't know me. They don't care what I have to say, but they know you, and they care about what you have to say. And if you're open and honest about your story, and here's how I met Jesus, and here's how he restored the broken pieces, they will have hope because they'll see what God is able to do. And the third, what has your life been like with Jesus? What's he done for you? How's it been? And, and to be able to do this in three minutes, say three. Three minutes. Now, if they ask for more, give them more. But we need to be able to do this in a concise way, in a way that just gives them a taste. So whether it's at the gas station or the water cooler at work or in the neighborhood, we can share just a little bit of how, about how God, good God is. And this is for all of us that have come to know Jesus as we also want to make him known. One of my favorite verses in scripture is 2 Corinthians 4, 7. And this is where I want to finish today. Because as I mentioned, the shepherds were the least likely messengers. They were mar a marginalized people group that, that God began to shine through. And I want you to know your broken spaces, the broken parts of who you are, as Jesus comes in, he wants to shine through them. I know this because he's done it in my life too. The last few years have, leading up to here, God has been doing a renewing work through my brokenness, helping me to not worry about what other people are thinking, but to just allow God in and to change and to transform me. And so 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7 says this. It says, But we have this, treasures, this treasure in jars of clay, to show that the all-surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way. Sounds like 2020, doesn't it? 
but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. It's saying, listen, you've gone through some things, and God wants to shine out through your, those things. He wants to be like this light in you that helps impact our world. And as we head into Christmas, that is good news. And so I want to ask you two next step questions. One, will you bring your pieces to Jesus and find his peace? The areas you've been hiding, the areas you've been holding on to, can you bring them to Jesus and say, I'm just a jar of clay. God, I need your touch. I need your healing. I need your hope. Because he's ready to receive you. And then secondly, this one might take a little bit more time. Will you write down your own God story and begin to get ready to make Jesus known? Not cleaning it up and hiding the messiness, but showing God's light and glory through it. Will you? I hope you will. I'm going to pray us into a time to respond. And this closing song is called new wineskins and I, I, I want to just be very open with you it was hitting me in the first service and I confessed that at times in moments like this and environments like this I care too much what you think about me it's not easy to share that publicly but I felt like today the Lord wanted me to put some of my stuff out there to say, pray for me, because I need to be free to say what, what God is revealing. And I don't want anything to hold back my response. But I also wonder if there's others in the room that as I share that, you can relate. That you also are sitting here too worried about what people are thinking. That God wants to do a new thing, but you're too nervous about the people sitting around you. What would they think? How will they respond or react? I just share that to say we're in this together. I believe God wants to do a new thing. He wants to be made known here so we can make him known for his glory. Amen. So I'm going to pray us in. The altars are going to be open. You can come for prayer. You can come forward. You can stand. You, let's, let's create an environment of freedom that says, God, we're here for you to do a new thing. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. God, we are so humbled that you didn't care about your status, but you came and dwelt among us. Father, we know right now there are so many broken pieces in our lives and the lives of those around us. And we're inviting you to bring peace, your healing, your wholeness, your restoration. That Jesus, as you pour out new wine, as we are your vessels, we will make you known. So Father, right now, get our flesh out of the way.
that we could have a fresh encounter with you. As we worship you, we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to do a new thing. We thank you for what you are doing. We'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship together. Let's respond. The altars are open, but he's here to do a new thing. Here we are. 
make me your vessel make me an offering make me whatever you want me to be god i came here with nothing but all you have given me jesus bring new wine out of me jesus bring new wine out of me oh jesus bring new wine out of me you do me a favor and just put your hands out front we're going to continue to worship and only you know the answer to this question. But is your heart posture right now like this? Like this? Or like this? And I want to invite us to just let go. As we enter into his presence for a few more minutes. To just, whether we physically do this or not. To just say, God, I don't want to miss you. I want to receive all that you have. And my hope is that this is more than this moment, but this marks us as we head into 2021 very soon. So let's continue to worship and get to this place of just saying, God, whatever you have, make it known to me so I can make you known. In the crushing, in the blessing, you are making new wine. In the soil, I now surrender, you are breaking new ground. You are breaking new ground so make me your vessel make me an offering make me whatever you want me to be I came here with nothing but all you have given me oh Jesus bring Bring new wine out of me. 
That is what my hope is. is. When we gather, we expect Him to show up. And what He does, we make known. Amen. You made a decision today for Jesus, or He's doing something in your heart. We'd love to know it. Uh, on the screen, you'll see a way you can text us. If you're a visitor, you can come out to the Welcome Center. And uh, we have a gift for you. If you're online, same thing. Let our hosts know. They'll connect with you. Giving. This is a great season to give. Amen. It's part of our tithe and worship. Uh, there's also above and beyond our Pathway Christmas offering. I want to encourage you to think about that over the next week or so. Uh, what would God have you do above and beyond so that we can be a part of giving for missional living? Christmas Eve services are this Thursday, 3.30 and 5. Woo! Pastor Randy is fired up. Let's go, right? It's going to be great. I want to encourage you to come be a part of it, but also to invite somebody to come with you. It's going to be a great night. Let me pray and may what God is doing here continue. May we never come in and leave the same way we came in. May he change and transform us every time we get together. Father, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for what you are doing here. I give you all the glory and honor. And I just pray, Jesus, that we would be bold enough to love you and to love all people in our pathway this week. That, Father, you would break down barriers, that you would allow us to love others, whether it's in our family, our neighborhood, or our community. And God, we invite you, as we have fresh encounters with you, to use us as those vessels that we would make you known. God, be with each person here. May they have an incredible Christmas celebrating you, the Prince of Peace. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Have a great week. Go now and be the church.